Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast studios. Yo, yo. And uh, I have somebody that is definitely close to the to the incubator space. Definitely. Uh, my, my neighbor... Uh, that was always wondering, like, what is going on in that Detroit is different house? What? And uh, as strange as it may be, and I shouldn't even say strange. Right now with COVID-19, a lot of people are looking at opening up spaces and gardening. Uh, one of the things that my dad has been pushing, Greg Frazier has been pushing for, is saying, we need a garden. We need a garden. We need a garden. So in looking and placing the garden, my neighbor behind me is was putting up a... a everything in place for like okay what's going on and then i saw i saw him looking at uh turning over some of the land that he has and miguel uh, from grand right around the corner from clements is in full effect miguel how you feeling i'm all right k what's happening baby man everything is cool man um i'm gonna start this detroit is different interview how i usually start it uh though we share the plots and neighbors and, and in the neighborhood let's start it with uh your family in detroit I always start from there. Uh, your family, Detroit. What brought your family to Detroit? How long they been here? Man, we've been here since uh, 1978. Mm. I originally moved on Pasadena, 1938. Okay. Shout out to them, people around there. But mm. uh, my mom had some issues back home. I'm from the south, Mississippi, Moss Point. Mm. Moss Point, Mississippi. Moss so Point, Mississippi. Where, where is that about at? Um, um, if you ever heard, well, all the casinos in Mississippi is in Biloxi. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah, mm -hmm. we ride our bikes to Biloxi to the beach. That's how okay. close we are. Moss Point, Goche, Escataba, Biloxi. Okay, so uh, down there in Mississippi, um, what 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 was like the culture? And and are you are you guys still down there, or you all all left? Uh, actually, we I got some family down there, and I just got back from down there. But the um the culture to me, that's why I'm jumping on your bandwagon with the gardens because I come from that era, mm. you know where. We still kill chickens. We still slaughter <laughs> hogs, for real, man. Okay. We still plant watermelons and greens and collops. We live off of the land all year round down wow. there. Yeah, wow. Yeah, real shit. Like the COVID didn't, it didn't kill us on no meats or no vegetables. Okay. Because they slaughtering down there and they still eating good, so. Mm. Okay. So uh, with that, your your mom made her way up this way. Correct. What what brought, brought her to the D? Um... Southern issues, you know, my father mm -hmm. abusive, if I got to mm -hmm. tell the truth, you know, she yeah. was just trying to get away, make a better way for us. Mm -hmm. And this is where we end up at. We had family that was already had migrated up here, maybe two or three uncles. Okay. And they was inviting like, y'all don't come up here. It's bigger. It's better. You can grow here. So this is where we came. How, how old were you at the time? Eight. Okay. So eight. What was Detroit 1970s, early 80s? Not what was that like for you? coming from mississippi because i know that traders were probably like oh man look at hey, this man. southern kid scary as hell dude scary uh -huh. man i had never seen no snow i had never experienced that <laughs> my first experience with snow man i was just like it started snowing i was coming out of school i'll never forget it the mm -hmm. shit start falling on me man i'm like get it off please get it off get it uh -huh. off we had to jump in this shit man i had never experienced nothing like that mm -hmm. four or five feet of snow you got to jump we little you can't even walk in it you got to jump in it mm -hmm. but yeah Okay, and uh, uh, about the time you said Pasadena, which is still like in two this blocks over neighborhood. Yeah, um, 
in this neighborhood, what was the neighborhood like as a kid back then? Man, definitely different. I mean, definitely, definitely different. It was more it was more kids. It was mm-hmm. more community. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like now, um, let's just say the ice cream truck come down the street. Mm-hmm. And you got five kids at the ice cream truck. Everybody got a dollar, but it's two kids sitting on the porch. Back then, no kids was left out. I mean, even if it was, you know, come on, y'all got to, you can't get a dollar ice cream. You can get a 50 cent ice cream, get the mm-hmm. two for a dollar, but I'm going to look out for y'all. Now, man, people don't even really care. Yeah. Now, now with that, I would say that the the culture just from the 80s, because I was a kid over here in the 80s, it was a little bit different. Like you had Fred's that was right there on the yeah. corner. Uh, Miss Booker's, you remember Miss Booker's on the corner of Pasadena and 12th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like a lot of, um, there were like little smaller shops. Black uh, shops. And a lot more kids even then. Like we would play. Definitely. We would play so much from top to bottom. Uh, and I think it was probably even more kids probably in your era than even in mine. It was, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So the the that connection also gives uh, the the big celebration all the time to friends from Grand Friends for Life. Shout mm-hmm. out to them. That's the name of a group. Mm-hmm. Another group from the area that constantly gives back. Mm-hmm. You know, they always every year they had a big three day weekend, and a lot of those people that you see down here mm-hmm. were the originals. When you talk about a lot of kids in the neighborhood, yeah. those are the kids. They and- just grown now. Yeah, and that's what I hear because those were the big kids when we were younger. Exactly doing big kid stuff. Exactly, that, you know what I'm saying. So it's like, okay, don't don't ride your bike past there. Yeah, yeah, because they gonna get you for Close sure, line. for sure, for sure. I didn't have that happen, home. man. Yes, take your bikes, all that. They didn't done that. All right. So high school. Where did you go to high school? I went to Central. Okay, Central, a trailblazer, Trail which blazer is the neighborhood. Life. Yes, sir. Neighborhood high school. What was that like? Um, different. Like I say, man, me coming from the country, you know, it's only lately, like in the last maybe 10, 12 years, I hide my accent. I used mm-hmm. to be real country with it, mm-hmm. you know, and then I was always teased about that yeah. in Central. Uh huh. But, you know, Central, it was a, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot of cats, you know, as far as dealing with life and Detroit situations. Because I didn't know nothing. You know, yeah. when I went to Central, man, my mission was to go to school and come back home, bring my ass on the porch. Because I'm mm-hmm. from the country. My mama didn't play that shit. Like, yeah. go to school, come home, you're back here on the porch. Yeah. But Central was good, man. Now, I went to, as I'm wearing my Northern, Northwestern I shirt. I see it. So, uh, it's, they're like kindred spirits. Even though Central was America's first public high school, Northwestern soon I didn't know that. came after. Uh, and... And the culture was of both schools are kind of like the same. Like I would say up to up to the definitely up through the 40s, those were like all white. And then in the 50s, you started seeing some of the change towards the 60s. You started seeing a lot of the change. And by the 70s, it was definitely all black towards the 80s some of those resources that existed for like the white school started transitioning into the black school so i really do think that people that graduated from central i'd say like uh the 80s that early 80s and northwestern and northern and murray wright all those schools were experiencing like a different school not just with black students but black teachers uh, less resources, Definitely. and it was during, uh, as most people say, like, man, the crack cocaine epidemic was hitting 
hitting uh across urban america and everything but like just the it was a cultural shift in urban america but definitely in detroit so central in that time when you were graduating i can only imagine was uh was like uh like like kids were taking on like real life responsibilities and you having a parent like that how did you like balance a lot of that stuff out um i didn't balance it i was rebellious mm. you know i didn't graduate mm. i was in the penitentiary at 18 mm. my senior year i was locked up so you know it wasn't a balance for me uh-huh. it was a direction it was at that point in my life was when i had to figure out you know is this really where i want to go is this what i want to do i'm 18 man i'm in the penitentiary with guys 30 and 40 years old, 18. So mm-hmm. at that point, it, it really, you know, I I don't know. I, I can't really put it into words. But at that point in my life, I say I was lost. Now, now, like many, those opportunities were existing, like, in your, I think, really a lot at that time in your generation. Because what would have been your graduating class? 88. So, yeah, it was definitely like I would say, like, if you graduated from like 84 to, to 92, 92. Yeah. Like the streets was like the damn, teachers right there. The streets was the teachers. Yeah. You know, and then, like I say, I come from that era where at that point in my life, my mom was still buying my shoes at the grocery store. Yeah. If I got to tell the truth, mm-hmm. you know, I. I'm a real funny guy. You know, a lot of guys know me as being comical and, you know, mm-hmm. I had to do that to keep people from talking about me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they wearing dope man uh, Nike shoes. Yeah. I got slide on McGregor's that we got at the front register at mm. TJ's on Davidson. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Landmark yeah. TJ's. Mm-hmm. So it, it it it's a whole different life for me, you know, when I look at it, you know, when I look back at it. Okay. Now as we as we look to that, um locked up then, um, eighteen and and this is also like around the time eighty eight, that puts you like you were on that like first cusp of what became like the whole war on drugs, Man. Uh, mandatory sentencing. Mandatory all uh right. a lot of this happened. Uh it's a great documentary ESPN did a thirty for thirty on Lynn Bias dying and how Lynn Bias's death um Lynn Bias, great basketball player that was drafted by the Boston Celtics, and soon after his draft by the Boston Celtics, he uh, he died of a cocaine overdose because he had, as they say, like straight fish scale cocaine, meaning right. like pure, hit pure, pure cocaine. And that story like kind of rippled through the nation on like a, a, a political lens, black side and white side. So like Jesse Jackson and Ronald Reagan were like walking line steps saying we need to do something about this yeah. and the something about this became like a lot of what became these mandatory drug sentencing laws uh locking up children and and things were heading in that direction too but to be 18 in the penitentiary oh man a is bad thick dude. bad dude mm. bad dude mm. where right. where where did you uh where were you serving your time Shit, where didn't I serve it? Jackson, Ionia, I, I went all everywhere. Because at, at that point, man, like I said, once I got to that point in my life, jailing became the norm to me. Like living became uh. the norm to some other people. Yeah. You know? So it 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 it's it was different, you know. Okay. And and also I would say like with your graduating class, that group of guys, like I say, the streets was 
They always say the streets is hiring. You yeah. know what I'm saying? At all the time. Yeah, the streets are always hiring. All like when the people time. say it's no jobs. It's yeah, like it's, it's, they are. <laughs> yeah. Even to this day in these times. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah so uh but dealing with it, especially as young people, uh we we always right now uh looking at police brutality and what we should do and people saying defund the police, but that's always a discussion. Like if more resources existed people would not choose those options or not as many people would choose those options because yeah. some people still would but it wouldn't be so many so much abundance like if if uh if the summer job program extended to a year-round job program exactly then the the option of, of being a crip or blood <laughs> or blood or, or whatever guy or, or dla yeah. dexter guy however you want to put it would be it, optional. it's not yeah yeah you, you may option. you may still be like run with those guys from time to time but, but it's like working. i want to get back to yeah. my job i gotta go to work yeah i mean even when those times like now a lot of the cats that i grew up with mm -hmm. they still street guys yeah you know and I, i'm from the area i don't knock your hustle mm -hmm. you know we still friends at the end of the day that's what you do and i'm doing what i do mm -hmm. so to me personally, nothing has really changed. You okay. Know, it, 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 my my theory behind all this shit in order for it to work is somebody got to lead in order yeah. for somebody to follow. You know, your your boy, the the dope guy, Big Meech. Mm -hmm. If you got a robbing ass boss, you're going to have a robbing ass crew. Yeah. If you got a working ass boss, you're going to have a working ass crew. So in order to have good endings, you must have good beginnings. And that start with leadership, man. And I also think that your generation prefaced um prefaced street life for guys in my generation even though i grew up like i have like a line in one of my rap songs i grew up like the cosby's it's like grew up like the cosby's around broken homes like my my dad my mom my dad being an entrepreneur my mom being here my grandma being next door like uh it was just rare to to have a present father uh, that had like a, a a basis of like uh, black consciousness and mom that embraced that and, you know, stayed working as a professional right here in the hood. But with it, I still saw the realities with like Big James, um, Junebug and like a lot of the other guys here, the twins and, and just my neighborhood. And it was like a context for street life. As much as I love hip hop, it's like rap doesn't go into the nuances in the relationships between first uh who drug users are drug dealers are uh the culture of 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 community that exists in street life connected to regular life because uh, i mean in, in that same zone i think a lot of that street life at one point in time was like the numbers man so like we had like uh like queen pins in our neighborhood like the deemers and, yeah. and things like that um they make it seem Sometimes I feel like it's a disservice to to neighborhoods like mine because they make it seem as though like it's just ruthlessness and it's no uh, it's no consideration, no love. It's it's a lot of um, it's still a context for it. It's still a it's still a, 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 a what well, well, it's like a family dynamic that exists. If you're doing something positive, like the first thing most people say when they walk in my house is like, damn, you over here with all this equipment. And I'm like, but people kind of know it's like, that's the nerdy dude up the block. He doing something cool. We don't really bother him, you know. Um, and then you stay to yourself. And that's the other thing. You're too. not a you're not a corner guy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I tell people you put yourself in situations. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you were that guy, even being the nerdy guy you claim to be, yeah. if you were the nerdy guy standing on the corner every day, oh, I promise you, you would have a porch full of guys at night. You know, yeah. because you, everybody want to be with somebody that's doing something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You down there, you tell them, I'm doing a podcast, I'm doing a podcast. They're not going to come down here until it get late night. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to do, if I told them, hey, man, y'all know that guy be doing podcasts, man. Y'all should go over there and tell your story. Man, fuck him. I ain't fucking with him, man. Nigga been over there all these years. He ain't even spoke to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But if you put yourself in that situation, mm-hmm. you'll have that. Yeah. You know, even with me, a lot of cats, you know, being the person and where I come from, I grew who hung out with a lot of guys. You yeah. see me now to this day, I've learned that lesson. I'm riding by myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how, you, to me, when I met you... you when I said, what is Detroit different? I swear to God, I thought y'all was passing our handbills, man. Hilarious. I it, swear to God, I thought y'all was passing uh, our handbills. Like, them guys just riding around, passing out flyers and shit mm-hmm, all day. Mm-hmm. But, man, hey, hats off to you. Thank you. And and I think you said it best. Like, if you do, if you do the work and you stick to something that's productive, I mean, it naturally will be something. I, I've been surprised to find some of the support that I've gotten from people I never would expect in this neighborhood that is just like, mm. He's to himself. He stay cool and he respect the boundaries of everything, um, even though other dynamics exist for other people. Uh, And then also I've been very surprised sometimes to find like the people that have run into some challenges over here. But then when I get the backstory, it's like "Mm, that's a context for (laughs) why why something like that happened to you. Not justifying it, but you're going to get a response. Exactly. Uh, Like a lot of my. a lot of the white people I know when they move into like Highland Park or neighborhoods like mine and moving back into the city, I'm like, you know, you have to respect the boundaries of some of these relationships. You know, the minute that you're just the white guy that's a neighbor is different than like when you walk up to the guy and say, hey, can I buy some weed? It's like, OK, the minute you cop from that guy on the porch, he your friend. you've just be changed the whole oh, dynamics that, exactly. of the relationship. Exactly. Because now uh the context of how we judge people it's not just who you are it's it's like i don't know that white guy but i do know let's say tj right i don't like tj's character he kind of a shiesty dude tj owe me some money that white guy know tj that white guy has now become an accomplice in me getting my money back from tj exactly which when I explain this, it's like it's like a different culture because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know suburban culture. I don't know what it's like to live in a cul-de-sac. I don't I don't know what that's like when you start associating with the neighborhood, you know, the neighborhood association where, like, you know, if you don't put up Christmas lights, they're going to send you a five hundred dollar fine from the city. Wow. and The cops going to come and like. But that's their neighborhoods. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Whereas our neighborhoods, we have a different culture over here. So um, within that, you. You you own a lot of properties and allow rental, so that's been one of the gateways uh, of sustaining business. What led you into ownership? Um, an accident. Hmm. Tell no stories. Back in the days, you know, I'm a street guy. I'm standing on the corner. It's cold outside. I'm making enough money to rent a house, but I'm saying to myself, why would I rent this house when they only want four thousand for it? I can make four thousand, but mm-hmm. I take four thousand. I go buy, you know, a gold chain, a three hundred dollar pair of jeans, and some shoes. I'm fresh to death, but I'm still standing out here in this motherfucking cold. Mm-hmm. I bought the house. Hmm. Once I bought the house, 
the hustle died down. So now I just I'm stuck with no hustle in a house. Hmm. I'm getting five hundred dollars a day. I can get six fifty a month. Hmm. But if I can get six fifty a month times thirty, I'm still hustling. And then I do all my own work. You know, I do my own landscaping. I do my own plumbing, my own electrical, my own framing. I do all that. I don't outsource nothing. I stay busy every day. But that's what led me to it. And then as I grow, I hear people saying, well, my dad left me. You just said it. My parents left me this home. Mm-hmm. I'm a die street guy, mm-hmm. and I can't leave my kids nothing. Come mm-hmm. on, man. I want to at least leave them something. That's like a building a legacy. You know, my dad left us these six houses. My brother got two. My other brother got two. I got two. We wow. have something. So that's what really made me get into it. And then once I got into it, I found out the shit was lucrative. It's mm. a guaranteed payday. Now, when you talk about the guaranteed payday and, and from it, this this housing market, especially depending upon like the past, I would say, 30 years in Detroit, uh, it's some great homes here that you can get. For law. Yes. For the law. I'm telling you, man, the house that you talk about to me around the corner, right mm-hmm. behind your house, yeah. I hate to tell people, I paid $500 for the house, mm. $1,278 with the house and the taxes. Mm. I bought two lots on each side for $100. I'm still under $2,000. My grandmother paid $60,000 for her first home. Mm. $60,000, man, I got five, six homes. You see what I'm saying? It, mm. was, it was a no-brainer to me. Even now, with me buying a house for $500, let us say $1,500 tops, I can walk away today with a 30 ball. Mm-hmm. And two lots, another fifty. Mm. I can make fifty off of that, off of my simple investment. I don't have to work no more. I can ride by and collect rent every month. Now, now, with this being said, like uh, learning all these lessons, uh, w- what was like the teachable lesson? Because so many of these conversations come where it's like these are options, these are opportunities. Uh, historically, in America, as we know, even through the GI Bill, one of the key gateways to wealth was property ownership. Because you can take, you can even lend against your house, Man. which has been sometimes a challenge for for our people. For us, yes. but you, it still becomes an asset that appreciates in value. Usually. Exactly. Oh, it definitely appreciates. Uh, who taught you all of these lessons, especially being that you you were locked up at such an early age, um, and then you come back. And like, who who are you? Who are you framing the, the, this lesson from? You said you kind of learned from the like. Let me get this house, you know, from being in the cold. How did you learn along the way your business model? Just as a kid, I always figured it out like if I'm 10 and you 10, you don't know no more than me. Mm. So I'm going to fuck with the 15-year-old. I'm going to fuck with the 18-year-old mm-hmm. or the 25-year-old. Even now, the guys that I deal with, I'm the youngest guy on my squad. I'll be 50 this year. Wow. The guys I deal with, man, they're in their 60s and their 70s. And they the ones that's telling me back then, like, hey, man, huh, fuck that shit. Go and get you a house, man. You can make you some money. You can live on it. I'll show you the game. You can buy this house. You can go to the bank. You can get a home improvement loan. If you spend 10, you can get a home improvement loan for 20. Get your first 10 back and reinvest the 10 and let the house pay the loan back. Wow. That made a lot of sense to me. Hmm. I'm going to take their money and get all my money back. And at the end of the day, I'm going to still make money for the rest of my life. Now, you didn't have the fears because some of this dealing with banking uh, dealing with banking being black sometimes is just a fearful situation anyway. But especially being with banking, being a return citizen, being black, like you didn't have a fear to go in and, and move forward with this process? Okay. I finance all my own. Mm. I've never dealt with a bank on nothing. Wow. I've never had a car note. 
Mm. My wife and I just got our first house. I've never, I, all my houses I pay cash for. Wow. So I don't even deal with banks. My wife will tell you, I hate the bank. Mm. You know, it doesn't make any sense for me to put my money into this entity. And then when I need $1,000, I got to go to the bank at 11 o'clock to get 500. Y'all charge me 250 and I got to come back at 1201 to get another 500. Mm-hmm. This is my money. Why, you know what I'm saying? That's why I don't deal with banks. I can, if I can finance my own, I owe no one. And, and the business model you're talking about now is, as they say, like it's definitely COVID-19 proof. And you've just learned this wisdom from the people, the OGs that you met. That's it. That's all I deal with, man. Hmm. That's all I deal with. And then, like I say, I'm not saying that's all I deal with. You, you younger than me. Mm-hmm. I can judge people's character. When I first met you, I'm like, man, this cool dude, man. He ain't, you know, when you first meet a guy, you got your hands up. Like, I don't know about this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I see him. He don't never say nothing. But when mm-hmm. you address yourself, I deal with younger cats, but it's benefits. It got to be benefits in me fucking with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just my life model. Nobody okay. wants to fuck with me unless it's a benefit. Mm-hmm. If you know you can come to me and borrow $10, you'll fuck with me. Yeah. If you come to me and you say, Miguel, can I borrow 10 I'm like, man, get the fuck on. I ain't got no money. Mm-hmm. You're not coming back and guess what? You don't even want to fuck with that nigga. He ain't only want to loan me $10. He don't got all that money you don't want. No. You know, I deal with people with benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, it don't make no sense for me. If you hadn't had this podcast and we our conversation was strictly about the garden, that would have been our conversation every time I seen you. Mm-hmm. Now when I see you, hey, K, what's up? What's yeah. on the floor? You know, what you got going on? Because I fuck with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's easy for me to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm a realist. If you don't like me, you don't have to. I'm going to tell you what I mean and how I feel, and you just have to deal with that, mm-hmm. you know? But as far as me dealing with being having the success that I have in life, I take my hats off to the old guys. Yeah, wow. You, you know, that's why when you see me, I'm always, I'm working, I'm going to go get one of these young guys. Come on. I know you ain't did $50 worth of work, but I'm going to pay you 50 mm-hmm. because I want you to understand if you work, you will get paid, and sometimes your benefits are greater. You can do less work and make more money. Now, now, as you talk about the work, the skilled trades, how did you pick up like the skilled trades of the plumbing and the uh, in the carpentry and all of that? This is my second marriage. <clears throat> I love my first my second wife. My first wife, her grandfather was a master carpenter. Wow. Everything I learned, I take my hats off to this old guy. I still go by and see him every day and pay homage to him <clears throat> because. I seen them making the money. I'm fresh out the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling them, like, you know, I really don't want to hustle. I can't get to hustle. I ain't got the money. Mm-hmm. Her granddad, like, fuck it. Come on. You can work with me, boy. You strong motherfucker. You can come help pull this concrete. You can come frame this house. Wow. I learned all that shit. I couldn't even tell you how to read a tape measure until I met this guy. I wow. couldn't tell you how to mix concrete. I couldn't tell you shit about framing, roofing. Mm. I do all that shit myself simply from hands on with that old guy. I never took a skill trades class ever. Now, now, when you say you learn from from her father, and this is uh, you, you, her grandfather actually, but you learn from her grandfather. This is like deep because this kind of goes back more into what I think our culture and African people have. It's like, I guess it'd be labeled like an apprenticeship program. Exactly, but it's a different type of apprenticeship program when it's like, okay, if I teach you this trade, it's actually going to go back into my my grandchildren and my family. Like, and that's, that's what it's he's different thinking, like, than like if you work, like, you know, you schedule everything and this is the apprentice I have and they'll be here from nine to five and then you no. go home. It's like, no, I'm going to see you Thanksgiving. Yeah. 
I know that if you learn this skill, it's going to put, I don't have to know, I no longer have to give money to help pay your rent. <laughs> you or, know? Exactly. And that's how, that's how I took that because I'm telling you, man, it was a true blessing dealing with that old guy. I was working with my uncle, man, cutting grass. This motherfucker mm-hmm. paying me $35, $40 a day. I'm out there from sunup to sundown. Yeah. I can't take it. I'm so used to getting easy money, man. This hard as fuck. I'm out here. I've been sweating in this shit all day. I got $60. Yeah. Old guy like, fuck that. Come on. You can work with me. I give you 400 in two days. Wow. 400. I don't know nothing about no motherfucking concrete. Mm-hmm. I don't know nothing about framing no house. I'm going to show you. Mm. Come on. You're going to show me and you're going to pay me. I'm fuck. I'm working with you. Fuck the grass. But if you can tell, I cut the shit out some grass too. Yeah. All my lessons have been learning lessons. My life lessons, I've learned from them. You know? Mm. Now- so, now getting out of getting out of the penitentiary, how old were you when you got out? Which time? Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I got a C prefix, 215-341-C. If anybody right. know what that means, man, the alphabet at the end of the number is how many times you've been incarcerated. Okay. And it took me three times. Okay, and it could be like that. My last trip, man, I came home, I think I was probably about 24, 25. Okay. But- so 24, 25, and I know you're, this is really sticking to your mind and your ribs of like, I need to transition. Um, what was it that, that gave you the, what was it you think the catalyst to say, all right, I need to pick up something completely different. I need to go a different route. Like I say, man, just, I'm, I'm a self-centered person. Everything I do, I run it by self before I even address anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you can catch that, but. When I came home from the penitentiary, these guys that I went to jail before, when I come home on my second trip, you yeah. motherfuckers still doing the same shit. Mm-hmm. Y'all still standing on the corner selling nickel rocks. You bitches mm-hmm. ain't even graduated from nickels to dimes yet. Mm-hmm. So when I come home the third time, I tell them like, yo, y'all my guys, I love y'all, but I'm going this other way. I don't know if I told you, but I got a snowball business. Mm-hmm. Thriving. When I came home, man, I was sitting at the table. I'm a vision. I write it down. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to write it down so I can go back and verify it. These guys laughed at me, man. Hmm. Like, motherfucker, you you know that ain't you. You a street nigga. You ain't finna be out here selling bullshit. I make mm-hmm. a great living. I make more money on my motherfucking truck than some of these guys work 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I don't work but five months out the year on that truck. Mm-hmm. So that's what motivated me. Like, I didn't have no father. My mom was disabled. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I always wanted to better myself. And I don't know if you said it as a kid. I'm not never living like this. When I get grown, I'm buying my shoes from the mall. I'm not mm-hmm. buying them from the grocery store. And mm-hmm. then, like I say, it just took a time to figure it out. Like, I don't want to go back to the penitentiary. If I go back, the judge had already told me, you classified habitual. It won't be no more slap on the wrist, no more two and a half, no more fives, no more threes. No, I'm going to sit you down for 10. Mm. That was in 2000, I mean, 1996. Mm-hmm. I ain't been back yet. Wow. Well, I haven't been back. I'm not going back. How that sound? I okay. feel that. I feel yeah. that. Now, now with this, uh, with that attitude shift, um, and that's that's a powerful attitude shift, uh, and embracing that. And I, I want to say that because the the other dynamics of it, like just going to Northwestern, growing up over here, like street life sometimes becomes like a culture. Like you almost get addicted to. The it's not almost you do the 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 you know 
the the fast life uh like your wife was saying but even more so than the fast life the the commonalities like you know these are the people i know this is your like social circle so you it's are, one of those things you where, are the company you keep as much yeah. as say yeah yeah it, if you're around it you're gonna be it yeah like um like a lot of the the users i know like some of it it, it moves from getting high to the ritual of it like they like Figuring out like, okay, can I beat this guy out of, out of out of this so I can get higher, or you know, going over here and venturing over here. Like, it, it's transitions where, it, you, like you say, the company you keep, you almost have to shift and go into a whole new world. You do not almost. You do. You have to change it, man. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to be different, you have to make it different. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't come home and still be fucking with the same guys doing the same thing because eventually I'm gonna be doing the same thing, yeah. and I know the outcome of that. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't already experience jail and death is not nothing I'm willing to experience. So I mm-hmm. had to make another decision. Like this is nothing I'm gonna do. I got three boys mm-hmm. whom I love to death and I, I would never want them to have to experience none of the shit I went through. Yeah. You know, and that's another reason. Like you hear me, all these people around here, they know me. I fuck with all the young kids. Yeah. You know, if I'm that motherfucker, if I see you in the street, damn your mama, damn your daddy, you little motherfucker, you wrong. Get your ass out of here, go over here, and when your mama come home and tell him, hey, had you been out here watching your child, I wouldn't have had to say that to him. But you need to know, I'll take my belt off, I'll whoop his ass too. Mm. That's just me. Yeah. You know, I don't mean no harm, I'm not trying to be Superman or nothing, but I was raised like that. Nigga, yeah. I used to get two, three ass whoopings for the same shit. <laughs> for real, man. Like you in the street riding the bike, I'm whooping your ass. I'm telling your mama when you get home. Your mama mm-hmm. come home, she whoop your ass, and she ended up talking to daddy. Yeah, the little motherfucker was in the street today. What? A third ass whooping. Mm-hmm. So I just like that. That's why I believe like in empowering the young. Somebody yeah. got to teach them, man. You can't expect a child to do different when he don't know nothing. Half of the kids having kids now, 18, 19 years old and they mother, they come from the crack air. So they crack babies. Mm-hmm. They don't know shit. Mm-hmm. How can a child raise a child that don't know nothing? Now, and that's the other shift I was going to talk about. As you say, leaving a legacy. When did you begin your family? When did you when would you have your first child? 1992. Okay. 92. So in that, like in growing, um, I know that this becomes like, okay, I want to, you know, the, the mind shifts, uh, in growing your own family, um, and, and moving forward with family, seeing that transition, I know the rest of your family has to look at like, okay, um, as you come back home, you're buying property, you're learning this, you're learning that. It's also an impression on nephews, nieces, cousins, uh, you know, it could be even your siblings and older family. What impact did that just have on your family as they saw you venture into other businesses and become successful at it? It just, like I say, somebody has to lead in order for somebody to follow. Nobody believed in the snowballs until I started it. Mm-hmm. Now, my kids, they didn't bought trucks. <laughs> for real they they see it like they working for me and I'm paying them 50 60 dollars a day but I'm marking on my books eight nine hundred like damn dad why I'm only getting 50 60 because nigga I'm the owner and <laughs> you the worker get your own truck you can pay somebody even with houses my kids buying property now mm. you know what I'm saying because I've told them like dude you can get out here in the streets I'm not gonna tell you how to live your life but I promise you it's a dead end when you get out there you mm-hmm. have to have something to fall back on you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Even if you don't want to work, you can work for yourself. Entrepreneur, however you want to label it, self-employment. It works. Mm-hmm. And it's all in your lifestyle. Like I'm telling them, you know, I know you want the $500 jeans, but dude, go to Sam's Club. 
Get the $25 Levi's. Mm-hmm. Wait till you, you know, my age, 50 or 60, when you settled in life and you can afford to do shit like that. My house is paid for. Me and my wife's house would be yeah. paid for what? Two more years? Another 16 months? Yeah. Nothing old on it. After that, man, it's a free trip. Yeah, and you and you stick to like the the concept that we always say uh, in business. You know, as I went to Wash College, and it's a lot of financial and business concepts, but people understand it. And sometimes I believe the goal in business. Uh, one of my classic economic teachers, Padilla. Shout out to Padilla. Uh, I was like, you know, I don't like a lot of this finance stuff and economics because they use a lot of jargon just to confuse people. He's like, yeah, that's the goal, but unsecured debt, meaning that. You have debt looming over you and people are in so many homes where it's like, yeah, on paper you own that home, but you still are paying back the mortgage. You're paying back. So you're paying back a banking institution that can sell it. You're also paying your taxes on it. You probably got student loans as well. You may be looming with debt that holds you down, that cripples the decisions you make versus if you're buying things straight cash, you have more freedom and autonomy to make whatever business decision that you want to make. And I don't have to wait on nobody to help me with a decision neither. Mm-hmm. If I decide I want to sell strawberry today and I don't want to sell blueberry, I don't have to go to the board and mm-hmm. sit down with them. Hey, guys, what do y'all think about changing strawberry off of blueberry? I learned that a long time ago. I tell people, man, being in the streets, some of the dope dealers and the guys, they are the best businessmen, man. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, they the streets teach you. You just have to value the lesson. You know, I wouldn't have never knew about uh, taking my money and Going back to reinvest, they call it recopping. Yeah. In the business where they call it reinvesting. Yeah. You know, if, if I hadn't learned those that shit from the streets, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to put that into my business. Well, the difference I think, and I have a marketing firm as strange as it is, the the difference with any any street business or anything illegal is it's the arm's length transaction. And more you have to be a great judge of character but that that's where the sales is where business happens it's a it's an old phrase that everybody says like you know dope sells itself and it's like no dope doesn't sell itself it doesn't you still need to have a network yeah you and even more because i mean you can incriminate yourself yeah and then it's competition <laughs> it's competition and and then depending upon the drug you sell in the relationship it, it's more pressure and in in uh like but you learn a lot of business lessons because it is straight sales. Hey, the streets is business. It's very it's just much so. Illegal business. Exactly. You know, that's what they say. You know, streets is business, but it's just illegal business. But you learn so many other lessons and you have less headaches. Uh, shout out to my grandfather, Don Scott, that served time himself and always said the best dollar is a clean dollar because you don't have the headache of incrimination on top of all the regular business headaches because you still have the business relationship headaches. You still have the customers not being happy headaches. You still have the, uh, you know, Retaining customers, which that's what I look to do with my with my marketing firm most times, which is always a tougher thing to sell. I'm like it. You know, people spend so much money trying to get new customers in business. I'm like, it's always about customer retention because it's always I believe. And this is where street guys know best. It's easier to get the person you have to. It's like working them to buy more is easier than to get to get the new customer to buy one. Exactly, because the new customer you're probably spending five dollars, like they'll to say, it to, to get that person. Yeah, you got to give Whereas it to the them. retained customer, if you just spend like a dollar fifty, you can probably get them to buy more. 
the relationship already exists. Exactly. And that expands your word of mouth, which is always the best marketing That's tool. That's the best marketing tool. But it, it is one of those things where you really need to think about. And a lot of people jump into business and the first thing they're thinking is like, uh, like I always say, it's in business, it's people in business to get your money. And the last thing you got to be in business for is to keep other people in business. Exactly. So you have to make a profit. You have to, you have to, uh, you have to have your strategy in order and and rethink it. And during COVID nineteen, a lot of your business model is is even one of those things that can be impacted. How have you dealt with uh, renters right now facing tougher circumstances with uh, cash flow and and uh, I've really been I've been fair. I, mm-hmm. I didn't during the the epidemic. All my tenants paid. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have been short. And then I won't say they short because let's say if your rent six fifty, yeah, and you come to me and you like, hey, Mr. Miguel, um, I got your rent money, but it's gonna be a little late. Well, what do you got now? Well, I got five hundred. I'll tell you what, give me the five hundred. Mm-hmm. Take that hundred and fifty, put it on your light and gas bill, mm. and you don't owe me anything. Now, now this type of relationship, as we always say, the key in most relationships, it's communication. Exactly. Um. And having that relationship with your with your tenants in neighborhoods like this, um, I'm sure they appreciate you a whole lot more because a lot of tenants. Well, I think a lot of landlords hide behind these systems instead of really building true relationships with their tenants. Why have you approached business actually having relationships with tenants as opposed to like using the systems like, you know, property management companies and firms and law firms to interact with people? I like control. Mm-hmm. If I let them in, I have no control. I want total control. Mm. If I deal with a property management, first of all, my rent only six fifty. Mm-hmm. I deal with a property management, my rent just went to five fifty because I got to pay them a monthly service. Mm-hmm. You know, and all my tenants, I want to say I stole them. <laughs> Real shit, because a lot of people, Miguel, you ain't got no house. You ain't got no house. Um, no, not right now, but. I might have a house available. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to see where you stay. I'm going to see how you live. Like some of my tenants and my property I just rented down here, they didn't have a porch. They stayed in an apartment. They lived behind a fucking railroad. So at 4 o'clock every morning they had to get up because the train was coming through. Wow. But they paid their rent. Mm-hmm. And they was paying like 800 for an apartment with no porch. Mm. I tell them, look, you come over here to my house, I'm going to charge you 650 well, I got to get a refrigerator. No, all my properties come with refrigerators installed. Some of them even come with washers and dryers. Mm-hmm. So with giving them more than what they had and charging them less, I guarantee you they're not going nowhere. Mm. Nowhere. You just gave another key insight to good business, and that's actually doing what I, you know, where I think I learned, the marketing research. Yeah. Learning your, learning who your potential client is to before they become a client, as opposed to, as they say, counting out the dollars up front. Yeah. I told you I come from a street era, and just like with that, that comes from where if I want to go on Dexter and set up shop, I'm just not going to go on Dexter today and set up shop. I'm going to ride my bike over on Dexter. I'm going to sit over there 30, 40 minutes. I'm going to see what they doing. I'm going to see where they at. Okay, they sitting down here on this corner. This corner down here dead. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down here and get the dead end people mm-hmm. and stop them from having to come way up the street. Just like my tenants. I'm going to go find you where you fucked up at. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring you to a better situation. And once you make it better, you got room to grow. All my tenants, I promise you, when they get in my house, they get cars. 
Why? Because you were paying nine. My nephew stay in my house. He was paying eleven hundred mm-hmm. in an apartment in Westland. This is my nephew. I charge him five fifty mm-hmm. for a three bedroom house. I'm actually giving it to him, but at the same time, I'm telling him like nephew, you was paying eleven hundred. Keep that eleven hundred dollar mentality. Put five fifty up, and in twenty four months, I'll show you how to buy your own house, and you don't have to give me that five fifty no more. Mm-hmm. So it's simple to me. You know what I'm saying? That's why I say, like, hats off to you, man. Mm-hmm. All this shit in here, it wasn't free. No. And you didn't buy it yesterday. No. You didn't buy it the day before that. No. You bought a mic today. You went next week. You bought yeah. another mic. It takes time, It's man. a process, yeah. There you go. It's and a process. At the end of the day, that's how you have to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the buying the properties or whatever your life mission is, it's a process. Nothing's going to happen overnight. How bad you want it. If you want it, man, my wife will tell you, when we first started this ice cream truck, Dude, I was ready to throw the fucking towel in, man. I spent twenty, thirty thousand in this shit, and we mm-hmm. out here on this hot ass truck, burning the fuck up, and mm-hmm. only made seventy five dollars today. Mm-hmm. And I ain't gonna tell no lie, I wasn't hustling, mm-hmm. but I smoke weed. Mm-hmm. So me and my wife on the truck, I'm like, hey baby, uh, we made enough money back there. Can we ride by the weed house and get us some <laughs> weed? I'm some real shit, you know. I'm a realist. I ain't gonna bullshit you, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I say, it took time. Growth. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to tell you now, man. My days is five, six hundred dollar days. You mm-hmm. know, from five, six years ago. Yeah. Now, now, as you as you talk about like even seeing those visions and then having more business acumen uh, to go into more business, as uh, that's also one of the things that people speak to, like having the tenacity to try new ventures and to get into new ventures. I'm with that. What has been, what has been your approach to looking at new business, exploring new business, because it's still the opportunity in, in business, you're rolling the dice. It, it could work, it cannot work. Hey, everything will work. <laughs> I promise you, man, everything will work. It's just the area where you at. Mm-hmm. A lot of the shit, like with the even, I love my snowballs. We just was down south. How long ago was that when we went and they had those seafood bags? Before it even got up here to Detroit, I'm telling my wife, like, look, yo, we need to get that fucking machine. We could kill them. I got the hookup on the shrimps. I got the hookups on the crab legs. I'm from the south. I get mm-hmm. a freezer truck. We bring our own shit up here. We mm-hmm. can start it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. A year later, somebody didn't beat us to it and they killing it. But mm-hmm. that's how you get a lot of. Of business advice, like I travel. So when I go out of town, I'm not going out of town. I'm going out of town to enjoy myself, but I'm also going out of town to see what they offering. What's different here than he is at home? Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm going home every year, snowballs, I've never heard. They call them snow cones up here. Mm-hmm. It ain't shit but dried ice with color in it. Mm-hmm. So if I go down there, like in Atlanta, they don't have a Coney Island. Mm-hmm. I can open up a Coney Island in Atlanta, I get fucking rich. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just all about when you think about trying shit different. You have to research it. And anything will sell as long as it's new. Jordan's motherfuckers stand in line for Jordan's. Yeah. Because they brand new. Mm-hmm. Everybody want to be the first one with it. Mm-hmm. So if you can keep that concept into business and you can't open up a car wash down the street from Ray Ray's car wash. Yeah. Because Ray Ray got a car wash and he been there for 10 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got bigger lights. You got two stalls at your door. Ray Ray only got one stall and a flood light. But he been there 10 years. Everybody know Ray Ray work. You got to damn near get your car wash away for $2. There go the money. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it all just depends on what you offering. Everything to sell. You just need to be the first to sell it. Now, with within that same venture, I, I like that you said going to different places and traveling and looking beyond just 
trying to entertain yourself yeah. because that's how I think a lot of people look no, at travel. No, 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 no. Not um, me. What are some of the things and what are some of the what are some of the key things you're looking for when you go to uh, any city to say, okay, this is how people are functioning. This is how people are spending money. How do you look? Anything different, and you said it. Where they spending money? Mm. Anything different? I have no problems with trying. I sell a motherfucker seashells mm-hmm. if they buying seashells here, and they not mm-hmm. they, if they wasn't already buying them here. And I think it's a market for it. Yeah, I try it. Mm. And I'll stay with it if mm-hmm. I can see it. Like I say, I put it on paper. I watch it. And mm-hmm. I invest. When I go out of town, I'm not going out of town to, oh, ball out of control. No. What the fuck is they doing here in Vegas? Or what mm-hmm. are they doing over here in Dominican? You know, they didn't even have fucking phones when we went to Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. I got a friend invested in fucking telecommunications. He one of the first motherfuckers to put phones over there. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You heard of WhatsApp? Yeah. Yeah, he one of the developers of that. So so when you as you travel also, you're going to run into other people that see the success in your business and you also get offers. And this is one of the things that I say uh when we talk about uh businesses continuing and white supremacy continuing, but it's just one of those things that um like money begets other money because you're going to get a lot of other offers. When people know you have the resource of capital, you're gonna get probably you probably get approached for business ideas hey, man. all the time. All the fucking time. And how do you judge what that is? I don't. Your business venture is your business venture. Hmm. What you see is what you see. You can come tell me your vision. I might not never see it. Mm-hmm. I can assist you and give you advice. Mm-hmm. This shirt I got on. Shout out to my man Mel, Red Pelican. Uh huh. He designed his own clothing wear. To get different, you have to give people something that they can't get. You know, like with his shirts, he put red pelican on it. You need to give them something different. Mm -hmm. Put on that bitch, how high do a pelican fly? Mm -hmm. You know, what the fuck that mean? You come up with your own concept of that. How high do a pelican fly to me might mean hell. I ain't never seen no pelican fly. Mm -hmm. You come up with your own concept with that. But even with you, with the flower beds, you Mm -hmm. out there thinking like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What I tell you? Hey, man, look. Do competition boxes. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm great at shit like that. Mm-hmm. All my partners that's in business, they always come to me for advice. And mm-hmm. I'm comical. I'm going to be funny with it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be real. Like with you, hey, man, fuck that. Pay competition. Make them pay. Mm-hmm. What you say? Oh, man. That's, that's a great fucking idea. Yeah. yeah. And then it gets more people involved. You know, so when you have, I, your idea might not be my idea, mm-hmm. but I can better your idea for you. Okay. I'm always with that. I might not invest in it financially, mm-hmm. but I put some time in it for you. Yeah. You know? But that's also knowing different resources because as much as capital may seem like the greatest resource, strategy can be a greater resource. It's definitely. Because it can save you time and money, which are the two biggest assets that you're going to spend, if especially if you're going in the wrong direction. Yes, sir. I agree with you 100%. So um, as we get kind of to a close, I'm going to end with like the classic Detroit is different questions. Uh, The classic Detroit is different questions are first, uh, your very first car, year making model and year you got it. I got that motherfucker in 1987. I was 17 years old. It was a fucking Dodge Colt rally sport, bumblebee yellow and black interior. Okay. All right, uh, where was the first place you went when you got it? Shit, to the car wash, believe it or not. <laughs> With no plates. 
<laughs> oh, you were, you were definitely hey, rolling man, the dice. <laughs> you know how it was when you young? Fuck it. I, got a car. I don't need no place. I got the keys to this bitch. I'm riding. Even kids now, that's what they do, man. Oh man, that's that boy. You welcome it. You taking you taking some chances, chances, hey, chances. Man, I don't tell no lies though. Yeah, that was the first car I had. Dodge Coat Rally Sport. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. What what ended? How long did you keep it? Um, probably not long. Mm-hmm. Maybe a year. Okay. Yeah, maybe a year. How did how did it last through winter? Uh shit! It was my first car, so. It lasted through winter. It had a okay. lot of dents, a lot of fucking dings on it. But, yeah, it lasted through a winter. Okay. Because that's, that's the number one thing, especially, like, in Detroit. If you can hey, get a man. car through winter. You got a car. <laughs> <laughs> you got a car. That motherfucker make it through the winter, you got a car. With the snow, the potholes, heat, yeah, you got a car. Yeah, especially uh, especially over over this way. It's sometimes, um, like, I talk to the, the lady with the city. I'm like, we so sick of these uh, water main, uh, the water main breaks oh, over man. here. It's almost like ice skating sometimes. It is, dude. Whole blocks and shit infected mm-hmm. by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you, you got to know your neighborhood. Yeah, you better. <laughs> you and up. how to get around it. You better know what alley work and which one don't work. <laughs> you better know which one concrete and which one gravel. Yeah, true indeed, yeah. true indeed. Second question. Uh, you the DJ at, and I God knows when it's going to happen again, at the Detroit Fireworks. Wife get to jump on this. You get to play three songs. Uh Woodward and Jefferson. What three songs you playing? Uh all my songs gonna be by Jay Z. Okay. All Which, of them. Can't knock the hustle. Me okay. and my girlfriend. I love Jay Z, man. Okay. And then okay, that's two. What's the last one? Um Big Pimpin'. Okay. Spinning cheese. All right. I'm with it. I'm with it. And last question. If you could rename Woodward after one D Trader, who would it be and why? Mm, that's deep. One Street, from anybody in Detroit? Anybody. I would name it Sammy Lee Amos Boulevard. Okay, who's Sammy Lee Amos? That's the old guy who taught me everything I know. Wow, Ride. I would, And the, my motto for that street would be, ride here to success. Mm. But tell him how determined Sammy Lee was. How old is he when he, when he went back to school and taught him Oh, yeah. He was like in his 60s, man. He couldn't read. Mm-hmm. Read the shit out of tape measure. Taught me everything I know, but he couldn't read. And number two, that's why he fucked with me. Because I'm I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. He was doing jobs for 250. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling him, like, come on, Sam, these motherfuckers will pay us 700 Well, boy, oh. write the receipt up. You you know I can't read. Write it up for me and 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 and, and make mm-hmm. it happen. Mm-hmm. So So almost like his in his wisdom and his trust. You were able to encourage him in business. Exactly. And wow. he went back to school. He can mm. read now. True story. That's deep. That's very deep. That's deep. And it also goes to like like when people say like these people are illiterate, these people are illiterate. Like the intelligence of a person that may be labeled and, and that's sometimes like even the label of illiteracy can become tough and and, and, and shackling. But what you learn and what you can remember and how you know streets, how you know how you know directions, how you know like you said, carpentry, roofing, like like almost like eyeballing, as they would say, um, you know, like almost like just just muscle memory. Uh one of my favorite singers, and I know you gotta know him because you're from Mississippi. Bobby Bland couldn't read. Oh yeah. You know, but he would remember like all like he would almost have to like visualize and remember all the notes in the songs. And you know Bobby a Bobby Bland concert. I mean, he may do, you know, 
he was dropping like two albums a year. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So it's like he's remembering the notes, playing with players. It's, I love blues. So it's like he would play with new players damn near from city to city. It'd be like, I keep one music director to save money and it'd be Bobby. So he knew the notes and he knew the uh, the the spaces. The, uh, another one that's smart like that, James Brown. Oh, you yeah. know, all types of businesses too. Um, like, and knowing it, but still being so intelligent of like memory exactly. and exercising that memory so much. It's deep. It's very deep. deep. Very, very deep. So thank you so much. I don't know how people, uh, you know, if people want to reach out, get in contact with your business, uh, how, how should they go about it? Um, Leroy Snow Hut. It's, uh, we on Facebook. We on Instagram. Um, as a matter of fact, I might be needing you because I need a web page. That's okay. my next step. That's life, what's up. To take it to the next step. Everything that I've been trying to do with that, I need a web page. Okay. So that's the uh Leroy Snow Hut. That's L E R Y. R O Y. No. It's gotta have an S, two S's. Leroy's. No space in it. S N O. It's not S N O W. Hut. H U T. Okay. And you'll see a picture of the truck on the page. But yeah. We ain't worked this year neither. I haven't even fired it up due to the COVID, so. That's why mm-hmm. I want to build this page. I'm actually shooting for a stationary storefront. That's my end game for it. Mm-hmm. So, well, definitely, I, we want to see it happen, and uh, I'm sure, like uh, with your a- attitude and tenacity, it's going you're gonna knock it out the park. I'm trying to, man. I'm at the plate now. I'm waiting on them to throw the pitch. Respect, respect. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Miguel. I appreciate you, Kay, as always, man. All right, peace. Yes, sir. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.